0: The Jewish Divorce Project, because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, there are
1: lots of other interesting (laughs) thoughts. You probably have a lot of interesting thoughts on the topic of should one divorce.
0: I have many interesting thoughts.
1: Many That's interesting funny. thoughts. Can I, if if it's okay with you, can I, for our listeners, give them a little background on the idea of divorce in the Jewish tradition? Sure. Okay. So I think it's important for us to understand that if we talk about the idea of should one divorce, one has always been able to divorce, or at least the opportunity to divorce has existed even since the biblical period. I wanted to show something with you. I'm going to share a screen with you uh, right now for a moment. If you will follow me. All right. So here we have Deuteronomy 24, chapter 24, verse 1. A man takes a wife and possesses her. And we're not even going to go into like all the patriarchal details of it, right? I mean, there's something really uncomfortable about this, but what we're just trying to do is trace the origins of divorce within Judaism so people can have a better foundation of it. I just want to be clear about that. I'm happy to discuss it some other time the the challenges presented in this verse right here. But nonetheless. A man takes a wife and possesses her. She fails to please him because he finds something obnoxious about her. And he writes her a bill of divorce, hands it to her and sends her away from his house. Okay. What does that really mean? In in very basic, it seems like there's some, some type of resentment in there. And the husband, if he doesn't enjoy being around his wife, he can get a divorce document and send her away. Do you see anything different about that?
0: No, and I don't know where it's written, but there's also certain um, issues that the wife can take with the husband as well. She has a right to demand a divorce under certain circumstances. So yes. there's a side.
1: Yes, yes. And uh, one particular one I want to go into, though, is a commentary on this, right? And the perspective of what it means to divorce from the Jewish tradition. This is what Rashi says. Um, Rashi says, it is his duty to divorce her because she should not find favor in his eyes, right? So what he's suggesting, Rashi's actual literal language is that it's a mitzvah, right? That it's a commandment, it's an obligation, that there are obligations involved in the process of divorce, that there is something inherently Jewish about it. Also, that there is something um, that we need to demonstrate responsibility towards uh, in the process of divorce as well. Uh, and what I also want to add um, is that um, the rabbis found it very easy for men to divorce their wives. And so, in the process of the evolution of divorce, set up any number of strictures on um, how that actually happens. Uh, and that created any number of other problems, which we're going to talk about in later episodes as well, as far as I know, when we talk about the idea of agunot and being chained in a marriage. Yes?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Um, I just thought this was important to say, um, so that we understand from the outset of this conversation, that Judaism has always provided circumstances for divorce. That this isn't like something that developed later on, right? We look at the Torah as a central foundational document in which we draw our wisdom and the roots of our tradition and our faith and our spiritual direction. And it includes this idea, and that's important, I think, for people to know, that it's as natural to life as it is to the Jewish tradition. All right. Um, With that being said, let's get into the topic, right? You're a therapist. You're divorced. Should one divorce? I'm Jewish. You're Jewish.
0: (laughs) Right. Should one divorce? Ah, this and you know you bring up the um these really two points that I've often battled with my perspective of divorce from a therapeutic standpoint and my perspective of divorce from my own personal experiences and it's been it's still a work in progress of finding where those two perspectives meet because they're different from a therapeutic standpoint you know it's about taking responsibility for yourself and for your thoughts, your actions, your behaviors, your triggers. And for the most part, barring an incredibly abusive relationship, it takes two to tango. And there's a reason why you're in that relationship and a reason why you chose that partner. And then there's a reason why you're specifically triggered and you get into a pattern. And so for the most part, I do think a lot of relationships that end in divorce do have the potential to have worked out, had other tools, interventions, skills, thought processes (laughs) been in, that being said, so from the therapeutic standpoint, it's like, oh, there's always a little bit more you can try, a little bit different. Have you done this? Have you let go of this? You know, like we, we, we think we let go, but we don't actually let go. And then from my own personal experience, I feel like I tried a lot. Did, it, did we try everything? No, it's almost impossible to try everything. And we also, and we can even go into this, I'm curious about your perspective, we were on a seesaw. You know, when I was more in, he was kind of more out. And then when I was more out, he was more in. So we rarely found ourselves on the same page with where we stood in regards to should we or shouldn't we get divorced. And and then if you can't really be on the same page 100%, you don't end up staying married. And I found personally that my divorce brought a lot of good into my life, and it was a very, very, very pivotal experience for me where I had to stop, take a look at where I was, who I was, where I wanted to be. And I'm, I'm happy with my decision. I don't sit and regret it. So it's that battle between I do think most relationships could have worked out. I was not in an abusive relationship. And at the same time, maybe there's a point when you know you've tried enough, and it's just you do, know, life is short. You want to be happy and just let it go and, and move on. How about you? Where do you stand?
1: Well, I'm certainly there with you on the, what I would consider objective reasons to divorce, objective and immediate reasons to divorce, right? Something illegal or criminal or unethical about the relationship or about something about your partner in some way that just can't be reconciled. And that in fact also puts implications upon you in which you have to distance yourself. There's no question about it. Um, I also think that Couples should try to exhaust all options before divorcing, whatever those options might be counseling. You know, that they say that there's a gold standard in couples counseling. And I don't know how anyone realistically affords it, but it's that each of you go to your own individual therapy with the therapist that week. And then that same week, you go back and see that same therapist as a couple.
0: We did that. We spent so much money on our therapist. It was out of control. And when we were together, in couples therapy, it would go for two, three hours. It was, it was. I, I, I honestly think she breached some boundaries there. I think it was too much.
1: Couples therapy is tricky, and I also learned in the process. I wonder, uh, I wonder about the idea of secrets, things like that, um, and like therapists need to like maintain those boundaries really strictly, uh, and that can be a difficult process. Uh, I also think that couples retreats could be helpful. I think ideas like trial separation could be helpful. I think. If you want to open a marriage and practice something like ethical non monogamy in order to kind of like
0: oh we got to talk about that
1: right in order to come back together as a stronger couple Uh, whatever helps gain perspective I I say go for it and I think a marriage is is a relationship worth saving for all those Um, adult individuals that are looking for marriage and that type of longevity and relationship in their life and particularly if you have kids I think kids deserve to be honest with you to have an image of their parents together don't get me wrong Um, but I I don't think that staying together for the kids uh, is the only reason uh, a couple um, shouldn't get divorced I think it's totally okay uh, to get divorced Um, uh, you know if you look, only a certain type of people are really capable of putting their own shit completely aside, right? For the sake of something greater than themselves, right? And if you could put two people together who are capable of doing that, then, then I think you can have a really successful thing going on there. Um, well, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily, just- I, let, let me just say, I don't necessarily count myself amongst those people.
0: I don't think it's about putting your shit aside for the sake of somebody else or a greater good. I think it's about acknowledging your shit, which you have to do anyway. If you are getting divorced and you want to be in a healthier, happier, better relationship, you got to deal with your shit and own it. So, can and you? And relationship do that?
1: should be one in which you could do that together, right? Or at least find support in the process of doing that, because that stuff takes time and knowing that you have someone to do that can be really helpful in the process. There's no question about it. Uh, It's
0: just hard, actually, I think it's harder because you're so entangled with that person already. And so, and there's all these expectations and these dashed expectations and all of these things and and all these past hurts that, I think it makes that process harder, not not impossible.
1: Right, but but if you can't do that, if you legitimately can't do that, right, then the relationship becomes a straitjacket and it creates a lot of resentment. I I think that creates a really unhealthy environment probably for the two people, the, the two adults in the room, and that in turn has a greater effect on the larger culture and the environment in the house as well. And I think if that's a continual environment, that's unhealthy for children. I think in that way, if you're looking at it from a parental responsibility as a parent, if you're in a circumstance and at that point, yeah, it takes two to tango. You both would need to realize that the environment is that unhealthy for you to need to separate as responsible parents to do the best thing for your children.
0: I think think most people are on board that the environment is unhealthy. And I think divorce, I know for me, Divorce was this magical escape button. Like, oh, if I just get divorced. Like, it's the end of all the suffering. It's the end of all the pain. It's it's gonna be over. It felt like this escape button. That's what it was like for me. It wasn't me coming to terms with it. It was like tantalizing.
1: See, and I see that as being one of the reasons one should divorce. Cause if it seems like the idea of the grass is greener on the other side and could in fact be something that causes you to thrive and feel that way, that points to something. I think that's something that's worth, that's an inclination worth exploring.
0: Definitely worth exploring, but you said it very well, the grass is always greener on the other side. And if you don't really, really pause and think, why am I unhappy? what about this relationship makes me unhappy and what's my responsibility in that unhappiness, that's gonna follow you out into the divorce, post-divorce as well.
1: It may, and yes, it may always feel like the grass is always greener on the other side, but you know, in marriage, I think it's important to take a look at that because marriage should be something that you look forward to if it, if it, if it is going to be an investment for life. That's what it is. That's just what it is. It's an investment for life. And yeah, I like, so are having kids. They're an investment for life. I will always be someone's father. They will always be my child. And I can always look at the idea of, you know, not having kids as the grass is always greener on the other side, man, it'd be really nice to have this much freedom all the time and not have to worry about it and not have to worry about them and not have to miss them and all those things. But I can't do anything about that. I'm not gonna change being their father. You can't really opt out of that. Right? You can opt out of relationships far more easily that way. I mean, you didn't...
0: A lot of parents who have opted out of being parents.
1: There's no question about that. I, I don't deny that. But my only point is that I think the point you're bringing up about being so fascinated about the idea of divorce points to how enriching it could be for one's life. That if it brings a sense of curiosity, And real interest, right, that it might actually be beneficial. And in that way, there's another element of mitzvah to it, right? In the book, Divorce is a Mitzvah, Rabbi Perry Netter talks about these these obligations in divorce, what you have to do in the whole process of it, what is eventually lined out uh, in the Jewish tradition in terms of what has to happen in the process of divorce. But also, that divorce can be a good deed, right? Not only an obligation or a commandment, but it can be a good deed to oneself to put oneself in a more peaceful scenario, to put oneself in a more healthy situation, to open doors for oneself so that they can live life in a way that they have wanted to, but may not have been able to before because of the strictures of marriage.
0: Well, an interesting, interesting. thing brought up is um, this, you said this investment for life. And I know that lately in the, in, in the culture around us, there's been a lot of talk about divorce was a structure set up within a certain society you know it it was a it's a construct of monogamy was created for very specific reasons in a time when marriage didn't last 90 years the lifespan of people when marriage was was kind of created in the way that we celebrate it today was 30 40 years old and maybe that's why we were getting divorced in our 30s that's the time span that we can handle so what's jew and, and also if you look back into the biblical times marriage was not what we how we do marriage today they had multiple wives polygamy was okay the, the entire construct was different so what's the perspective do you think on this longevity issue that now we're talking about double the amount of time potentially
1: i also think if you want to consider more recently our grandparents and our great-grandparents got married for survival reasons Right, marriage wasn't necessarily a romantic proposal. That was option that was a little bit more left to my parents' generation. Uh, my generation is certainly, I didn't look at marriage as a form of survival. It wasn't like we were joining our wealth together, our farms together, or anything like that for the process of creating something greater. It was that we fell in love. And the natural point of it was that we wanted to create a family. And what it feels like is that we fell out of love. And as a result of that, the family <laughs> separates, right? That's just kind of the natural process of it, Um, but I think you're right to bring up how divorce served a different process for different generations and maybe because it's not seen as a tool for a larger economic purpose or survivalist purpose then It doesn't need to be a union that lasts particularly that long
0: but I think you bring up an excellent point and it's not just about the purpose of the marriage it's also the intent going into the marriage and I think that our grandparents that generation who married for survival they weren't necessarily marrying for love so they the family in a way was what they had and that was their proof their existence they they survived this marriage and, and whatever children that they had our generation, we've been pampered. We grew up in a Disney society where Prince Charming is gonna come. We get married with the intent of love. Love is a feeling, however you want to describe love. So love has its ups and its downs. And so when we get to a down, we're like, sorry, we're out because that was that was our intention. And that's a really good cool point about what your original intention is when you when you get married. And it's very hard to deprogram that. It's it's hard to miss the way society bombards us with what love is or what marriage is supposed to be and, and what that's supposed to look like. Very often doesn't feel like that, especially 10 years in and especially with two or three kids.
1: And you can also understand why people would stick it out in a relationship for so long if it was about survival, right? Because every, everything else pales in comparison to the larger goal that we're trying to serve here, which is just exist and make it through whatever time that we're going through.
0: And be with someone. So the, the goal wasn't necessarily be in love. It was create a family, create this this belonging, this connection. So they were fulfilling that intention, even if they were miserable, or even if they fought and bickered, they, they were staying true to their original intention. When our original intention is, I'm going to be madly in love with this person for the rest of my life, what's going to happen when we don't feel that way?
1: And you don't necessarily think about that when you're getting married young. You do not. I mean, let's just be honest. This, is, uh, Without being ageist, there, it, it's very difficult to have a long perspective at such a young age. And you don't realize who you are necessarily and what will change you in life. You may not have gone through so many life-altering experiences already to give you that form of perspective. Not too many people have. And so how can you really determine what you are going to be like 10 years that moment or 15 years from that moment or 20 years from that moment and who that other person is going to be you may not like either one of those people anymore during that period of time and it may happen in even less time
0: i and i often said that about my own experience and the experiences that are similar to people who grew up in a religious environment and got married very young without a lot of life experience so i got married at 22 i never had a boyfriend you know and so. And who was I at 22? I I didn't know who who, who I was gonna be 20 years later or how my husband at the time was gonna turn out 20 years down the road. And I always thought it was a symptom of getting married young, but we're constantly evolving and changing. So I don't know if it matters how old you were when you got engaged or married, those changes are gonna happen inevitably even if you got married when you were 30. What are you gonna be like when you're 40 or 50? What has life brought to you? and how have you reacted to it? And then you're dealing with two people, so you, your paths can completely diverge. So 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, you're in completely different places. You weren't where you were you know, originally when you, when you fell in love and got married and had all these plans for a long marriage together.
1: It'd be interesting to see what the longitudinal study of my generation, of our generation, will be when it comes to divorce. Does it meet the same type of trends as the previous generation? and the generation previous to that. I think about that because there was research done to look at the relationship trends amongst people in our age cohort, Uh, and I think you're an exception to it because of the community that you were in, uh, which places a a strong emphasis on getting married young. Um, But that folks generally in our cohort uh, who were given the freedom to uh, seek uh, love and relationships in their own way, uh, waited a considerable amount of time uh, in comparison to the previous generation that they were getting married later on. And that's what Tamar and I did, my ex. We got married at in our late 20s, early 30s. I, uh, I was 30 at the time, yeah, I was 30. And Tamar was 29. And so we followed that trend. And I think a a lot of other folks in our age bracket did as well because we've been given this opportunity to go out and really experiment and learn about ourselves spiritually and also emotionally and sexually as well as a result of the sexual revolution that we've all benefited from. That's also given us the freedom to not settle down so quickly and to wait to get married later on after having dated potentially you know, however many people we feel comfortable enough to get to that point. But my point is that I'd be interested to see how that process impacts divorce later on.
0: The argument I always heard pro getting married young. So in the environment that I grew up, which pushed getting married young was that if you wait too long, if, if you get married in your 30s or your late 20s, you get too entrenched in your own personal lifestyle and your own identity and your own way of doing and doing things and being, that it's hard to come together as a partnership from that point. I'm just, I don't don't buy into that. I'm just saying that that's what I've always been told. So it's always, I always thought I got married too young. I didn't know myself, but then I hear the other side of maybe if you get married when you're older, you know yourself too much and you know what you want. And then when you have to sacrifice for the sake of the relationship, it's you're like, wait, this doesn't, I was great on my own, you know, That's two or five years ago.
1: That's <laughs> true. Right. It could be that you've already had a, a good enough perspective of what single life is like. And you enjoyed that far more.
0: Yeah. I never had that. I went from my parents' home to a marriage.
1: But you don't think though, I, and I want to get back to it. I want to get back to the topic of children in this conversation of should one divorce. Okay. Cause I think you and I, we should get down to some, some honest talk about that, right? You think that it's good for children to be in those circumstances, in those environments, even if parents can't really get along.
0: It's a hard question to answer point blank like that, because it's such a circumstantial layered and weighted question, because, like I said, if two parents aren't getting along, there's personal work to be done for both of the parents. And if they get divorced, chances are, if they haven't done the work, then they're going to have a messy divorce, which is terrible for children. And then they might not have the happiest, most healthiest relationships post divorce. So it's really dependent on, have you done the work? Can you put aside your own grievances? Can you let go? Can you work with the other person? Because, and and this is a very big realization, if you have children, you will forever be in a relationship with this person. You don't have to sleep with them, and you don't have to live with them, but you have to figure out how to be in a relationship with them.
1: And that takes communication, and and the funny part about it is how much more communication it seems like needs to take place in divorce. More,
0: right? It's sometimes, in some ways, it's a harder relationship. And we forget that because when you're in that that marriage and it's bad and you see that oasis of divorce, I just got to get there. It's gonna feel so good. You forget this person is gonna be in your life for the next 16 years or something like that. And even post facto, even when, and then that when kids your kids
1: have, have, and then if your kids have children,
0: yeah, then your grandparents together, and you you don't have to communicate in the same ways, but you have to be able to be in the same room together. So there's still relationship that has to be had. And, and I will say this now, and I probably will insert it into every podcast that we do because it, it's just quick. The, the way that children are affected by divorce are by two things, the the conflict, the level of conflict and the quality of parenting. So if you think that, that being in your marriage is toxic for your children, they're witnessing um, bad communication, fighting, yelling, screaming, or passive aggressiveness, and you think it's gonna be better on the other side, that's fine. And if you really have your children's best interests in heart, then remember how much conflict you have post-divorce and the quality of your parenting are integral in how children are gonna fare post-divorce. I think really to sum up everything that we've said is, Judaism supports divorce, but there are guidelines for it and there are ways to do it right and there are ways to do it wrong. And from the Jewish perspective, know that there's right ways and wrong ways to do it. And from a mental health therapeutic therapeutic perspective, it's make sure you've done the work. Make sure you've done some really, really long and deep and hard self-introspection so that if you decide that divorce is the best option, which is, is, is good, it can be really, really, really good that you can use it to your advantage and for your children. And don't just get caught up in the same patterns and drag your kids along for the ride of you having a tumultuous life and, and just not knowing how to be happy in, in life.
1: This has been a great conversation.
0: Yeah, I hope people got some, some good value from it. Um, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, suggestions or any. What's, our,
1: uh, what's our email address again?
0: The Jewish divorce podcast at gmail.com.
1: It's not the Jewish Divorce Project.
0: It is the Jewish Divorce. Our email is the Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com.
1: Excellent. And we'd still, uh, we talked about stories of forgiveness a couple of weeks ago for, Sukkot, uh, for Yom Kippur. If you want to send those uh, in to us again, feel free to. Uh, and uh, we'd love to hear uh, maybe the reasons uh, why you got divorced and how that's been an advantage, uh, how divorce has been an advantage or a disadvantage to you potentially. Uh, In uh, your life thus far, Uh, please feel free to share those stories with us Know that you've got our absolute confidentiality and we'll only share them uh, if you uh, say that that's something that we can do Uh, Otherwise,
0: yeah, send in uh, your reasons. What was the last straw?
1: (laughs) What was the last straw? I love that
0: The last straw. That's great. Mm -hmm.